0: Welcome to Figuring Out Families by Magellan Media, where we make families the best they can be. In this series of Figuring Out Families that we are calling the Parenting Sessions, we speak to leading experts to give practical, real-world advice to help you grow healthy, well-balanced children and make your life as a parent or grandparent a little easier. I'm David Ahern. I hope you enjoy Welcome back to Rosina McAlpine. Uh, Rosina, hi there. We're talking about raising healthy children today.
1: Yep, I'm excited about this topic.
0: What, why are you excited? Tell me more.
1: Well, I think, you know, one of the things that parents really want is to raise happy, healthy kids, and but they think, you know, oh, no, I'm too time poor, I'm too stressed, or they don't know, you know, about the right amount. What is the how much water should they drink, how much nutrition do they need, sleep, exercise. And they sometimes think that it's all too complex or all too hard. Um, but I want to talk about the simple way that we can raise happy, healthy kids. So that's why I'm excited about it.
0: Fair enough. I think simple sounds like a good way to go. <laughs> Uh, Rosina no question that every parent wants to raise a healthy child and have a healthy family that's really what it's all about uh, what are the barriers though that stand in the way of achieving that goal
1: look I think you know when we look at work and family now we've got oftentimes two parents working both parents working and so oftentimes they're time poor they're stressed and of course with that much advice out there, that many websites, that many Facebook groups, that many grandparents, parents, aunties, uncles, cousins, next-door neighbours, people down the street. Yeah. Yeah.
0: It's
1: so hard to know what's exactly the right thing, right, to do. So I think that's why parents sometimes just feel like, oh, it's all too hard, I can't do it, and I'll just let the kids, you know, you know, find their own way.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I can, you can understand that. There are times when, especially when your kids are young, you have days where you just think it's all too hard and they want a chocolate bar or something and just say, right, have the chocolate bar. Eat it. <laughs> exactly. We're being lazy.
1: <laughs> Look, and I think, you know, that it's very important to have those times when, you know, it is, you know, 80-20 really. I, I, don't, I don't think you can always be good or you can always be bad. What you really need, you know, in terms of, you know, nutrition, hydration, is to have that nice balance where you do have that chocolate bar or on those, you know, like I must admit I had a very busy day yesterday. I worked from early morning till night. So when it came to dinner last night, the best I could do was go to the fridge, make a healthy salad, and I got my husband to go down the road and pick up a pizza for dinner. So we had pizza and salad. There's your 80-20 rule, right?
0: (laughs) Sounds like a good dinner to me.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah, speaking of unhealthy habits, and I'm not saying the odd pizza's fine. I mean, I do it myself. But uh, when we talk about unhealthy habits, which are hard to break, uh, it reminds me of New Year's Eve resolutions, which are often broken in very quick time. People just can't stick to it. And, you know, you've got potato chips, chocolate, as we've we've mentioned, fast food. How hard is it to break those sort of bad habits?
1: I think anybody who is... Who has bad eating habits, or you know, bad habits when it comes to vices like you know, cigarettes or drinking or whatever, knows how hard it is to break unhealthy habits. Now, I'll give you a quick example. For me, when I was young growing up, um, I was the oldest of of four children, and so I was usually allowed to stay up a little bit longer than the others because I was much, you know, I might have been in high school and they were in primary school, and my mother, as a little treat. Used to grab a little packet, you know, like those multiple packets of chips, those little packets of chips. Oh chips, yes. Me one, she'd have one, and we'd sit and watch a TV show before I had to go to bed. Now I'll tell you, when I sit on the couch now at night to watch TV, everything in me wants to eat chips, right? So, <laughs> so, so yep. not, it's it's one of those things. What we know from the research, and I can explain why that is, is we know when we look at the research that. Our lifetime healthy physical, you know, health. My our lifetime physical health starts in childhood. When we look at the studies, longitudinal studies will say things like lifestyle behaviours established during school age years influence health throughout our whole life, and that's by a study by um, Bunjay and Vella Burroughs in 2013, and a study by Parker et al. said evidence of the association between childhood body mass index and type 2 diabetes, hypertension, and coronary heart disease in adulthood. So in other words, what we do as kids um, does impact lifelong. So it is important for us to try as parents to do the best we can to give our children good lifestyle habits so that that will continue into the future.
0: Yeah, no, fair enough. And look, you mentioned yourself and your busy work day yesterday, which resulted in pizza at the end of the day. Correct. For, for many working parents, and you know, often uh, they're both working these days, trying to juggle jobs and family, it's not easy. Uh, and they think probably, like you did at the end of the day, well, this is all too much. Let's just have a pizza. Is it difficult to maintain a healthy lifestyle in today's busy environment?
1: Would I say it's easy? No, but um, it's also not too difficult. So in that circumstance, what I did was I, you know, made a, I said, okay, how, how much can I do and what could I do to add the healthy aspects? So we had half a plate of carrots and lettuce and capsicum and tomatoes. And, you know, so there was this half, a whole half of our plate was a, was a salad and then a couple of pieces of pizza on the side, which just made life a little bit easier for me because I hadn't planned. Um, the menu that day and didn't expect to be going as long as I did. So I think where we can, we can make those little adjustments and not feel bad about it. I felt absolutely fine that my family had eaten half a plate of salad and then a few pieces of pizza. So I think what we have to do is we have to have some practical strategies, a little bit of organisation. And I think the other thing that's important is not to try and do everything at once, because I'm going to be giving some examples now for hydration, for food, for exercise, for sleep. And if you're feeling like, you know what my family could do with a little lift, you know, in these departments, don't try, try and do it all at once and go, right, you know, like your new year's resolution that you were talking about, because we know that that never works. So make incremental small changes, like have pizza in a salad or you know prepare a few meals in advance and that's what we'll be talking about um to to help parents make it a little bit easier on themselves
0: yeah and that makes sense and you mentioned in a recent podcast about parents being kind to themselves at times and uh, you shouldn't really feel guilty if you do have the odd night where you know you don't want to cook a, a really what you call a healthy meal but you want to uh, have some fast food
1: absolutely and that's that 80 20 as I was talking about I think We've got to consider our physical health and our mental health as well. And, you know, feeling guilty, like when you make that decision, there's no guilt involved, right? So I'm always in our house, the rule is eat all your salad, then you can eat as much pizza as you want, but you can't eat as much pizza as you want and leave the salad on the side of the plate. So little rules to, to help you feel better about your choices.
0: Yeah, and I, I presume that uh, equates to vegetables as well.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely.
0: Now, Rosina, I don't doubt, as uh, we've discussed, most parents want to set their children up for good habits and mental well-being for life. Can you talk us through um, a few basics for life success, starting with hydration and healthy drink choices?
1: Yeah, absolutely. That's a really important one. Um, So we know when it comes to hydration, we should really avoid where possible, too many sugary drinks. Now, I'm not saying it's not fine to go and have an ice cream on the weekend or a frozen Coke or, you know, Fanta or whatever, not, you know, saying any of the specific, but one of those frozen drinks. I'm not saying every now and again that that's a problem, but what I need you to understand is if you you don't believe me, just, you know, search Mr. Google or Mrs. Google and you'll find out that those frozen drinks that you buy from those fast food outlets, have between 12 and 20 teaspoons of sugar in them, each one. So if your children are, you know, knock and ring and tapping, give me this, give me that, I want the frozen drink, just go to the cupboard, grab the sugar, um, get a clear glass and put in 12 or 20 teaspoons and say, yes, every time you have one of these frozen drinks, those frozen sugary drinks, you're drinking, or a can of this or a you know, bottle of those sugary drinks, you are drinking this much sugar. And so what should we choose? We should choose again 80-20, have what do we choose as our main choice of is water. And then you might go, all right, water's great, but but how much? So if you know the listeners want to know exactly how much, they can just go to healthykids.nsw.gov.au and they've got lots of suggestions there and there's if they just search um, healthy kids water choose water as a drink they'll come up with these guidelines so the government guidelines are for children five to eight year old it's about five glasses or one liter so five to eight year olds about one liter a day Uh, nine to twelve year olds about one and a half liters a day, and for your thirteen plus, in other words, your adults as well, it's about two liters. So think about one, one and a half, and two liters. And you might say, well, that seems like an awful lot, but it'll actually increase if your children are doing extra sports as well. So you've got to see: is it an extra hot day, and is there extra sports? But at a minimum, we'd like to little by little build up, build up, right? That uh, drinking of the water. So fill up those water bottles in the morning when you're going out on a, you know, h- having a picnic or whatever. Sure, you can have some of those sugary drinks as well, but right alongside it, have the main source of hydration as being water. So just cutting out, you know, sugary drinks on a daily basis and only maybe having them on a weekend or once a month or whatever it is you want to do for your family will make a huge difference to the sugar intake that your children have.
0: Yeah, I mean we didn't know about the the dangers of too much sugar when I was growing up and you'd be drinking soft drinks especially during summer like they were going out of fashion but yeah. uh, we certainly know today that um too much sugar is not good and it leads to obesity and all sorts of problems.
1: Absolutely. And yeah, so little by little as we can swap out swap out those sugary drinks for you know uh, a squeeze of lemon and a squeeze of lime in there or maybe drop in a strawberry or um you know a, a lump of of watermelon to give it a little bit of flavour, just pop it in the water and it can give it that little zing.
0: Yeah, it's, it's the flavour, isn't it, for, for young kids especially. Water doesn't have the same sort of appeal as an orange drink or a Coke.
1: Yeah, that's exactly right. So little by little, get them back into water with, a, you know, squeeze a lemon or lime in there or a bit of a strawberry, throw strawberries and The is the amazing how it permeates through the water.
0: Yeah, no, it's so true. And you can do so many different things with uh, just a bit of extra stuff like a strawberry or a bit of watermelon. You're quite right. Yeah. Now, Rosina, good hydration seems simple enough, um, as you've explained so well, but food is more complex. Do you need to know uh, how much protein, for example, there is in fruits, vegetables and grains, or is that a sort of overblown a bit these days?
1: So, look, I think it's really important that, you know, we're all busy trying to keep up with work and getting the kids off to preschool and school. So we actually need healthy eating to be very, very simple. And when I look at, oh, actually, just to let you know, I did a year-long nutrition course. So okay. I'm not talking, I'm not just talking out of no knowledge. I, I did a, um, a program with the Institute of Integrative Nutrition and it was a year long intensive program, and I learned everything from uh, paleo right through to vegan, different ways of eating. Wow. And so when I looked at all the research, and obviously every family is going to be different. If you're, you know, eating paleo, great. If you're eating vegan, great. If you're not eating any specific, but you just want to know what a basic healthy diet is. What we're really trying to do is not make it complex, but just make it a variety of proteins, whole grains and fruits and vegetables. So any protein, so if you're vegetarian, then go to the, the proteins that you can get from vegetable protein like soya or beans or so on. Um, but if you are a, a meat eater, then you'll be getting your proteins from a variety of fish and meat, etc. Um, when it comes to grains, we're looking for whole grains, not, not processed grains. Like a whole grain is like a grain of rice or a grain or a seed of quinoa. Do you know what I mean? So uh, grains like as in oats, we're looking for those whole grains rather than processed, you know, white flour and things like that. And then fruits and vegetables. And it's really important not to forget the fats, healthy fats like olive oil, avocado, fish oil, all of those. Are really important for brain development and cell, you know, function. So basically, you know, try to watch your portion size when you're looking at a plate. Like, let's just think about what a healthy plate might look like. If you were going to split your plate up into half, so half should be fruits and vegetables, which is what I said to you about that salad. And yes. then on the other side, the the two uh, other parts of your half a plate, you can do about. The size of the child's fist or your fist in protein, like could be a bit of chicken or fish or or some you know um, non-vegetable protein, and then a similar amount of whole grains, like some rice or some quinoa or something along those lines that that you'd like to eat. So, and again, you can mix this up. You can have just some some meat and veggies. You can have some you know a vegetable curry or something like that. So you're looking for about half a plate of vegetables and then a little bit of protein and whole grains. And, of course, don't forget those, those good fats like some avocado or some olive oil on your vegetables or your salad or, you know, um, that sort of thing so that you keep that up as well.
0: Yeah, no, very good. And it's only in recent decades that the importance of a Mediterranean diet has sort of uh, uh, been spoken about a lot. I mean, I'd never heard of it when I was growing up. We were traditional... Uh, Anglo-Saxons and, you know, meat and three veg, but uh, never heard of olive oil, never put our olive oil on anything, but uh, I love doing it now.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, we've got Australian Dietary Guidelines and they simply say something like two serves of fruit and five serves of vegetables, you know. So it's about getting, you know, for example, um, trying to get your kids involved with food preparation, really important, um, and it's just simply about things like two serves of fruit. Um, Oftentimes kids won't eat fruit if it's just sitting in a fruit bowl, but if you cut it up, they're more likely to eat it. So getting the kids involved first thing in the morning or, you know, on the weekend, if you're going to cut up some things for the week, cut up some carrot sticks, cut up some celery, cut up some um, cucumbers, some capsicum of different colors. You know, basically we just want to get our kids involved with uh, healthy eating and that way They'll be part of learning what is a healthy breakfast, what is a healthy lunch, you know, that sort of thing.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. And uh, if you're cutting up fruit in a bowl, is a bit of a chocolate ice cream all right on the side?
1: (laughs) Absolutely. Look, I want to talk about that. So, one of the things when our son was really young, um, I wasn't sure how to label, you know, ice cream, chips, chocolate, all of those things um, for him. Because when I heard the term junk food, I thought to myself, that's not a good term to say junk food and then put it in your body like that's like contradictory it's like I'm putting this in my body but I know it's bad for me then why am I doing it so I invented I talked about sometimes food um and uh everyday food and then I remember him saying to me is this some uh, is this sometimes food or is this everyday food and is sometimes now and I realized well this is not very helpful either so I eventually settled on weekend food and everyday food. So everyday food is all of those beautiful fruits, vegetables, salads, proteins, um, you know, all those lovely things that we can have every single day because they make our bodies sing. And then on the weekend, we can have weekend food. We don't need to call it junk food. We don't need to, but we know that we have it in smaller portions. So I remember in the really early days, um, all week, I'd say to to Cameron, what are we having on the weekend? What weekend food are you going to have? And he'd say, oh, I want to have some Monte Carlos or I want to have ice cream or I want to have a bag of chips. So it was something to look forward to. And then we'd eat everyday food and then we'd eat weekend food. And so that's maybe the way to think about it. Um, So when a child asks for something like, you know, it's Wednesday and you're eating um, a beautiful fruit salad and they say, can we put um, ice cream on it? Maybe every now and again you do. But otherwise, if you don't, you can just simply say, well, it's not the weekend, sweetie, but we'll definitely do that on the weekend.
0: Mm, That's a good way of looking at it, actually, because you're eating healthy foods for five days and then two days of the week, you can sort of, um, well, I won't call them unhealthy foods, but things like chocolates and chips and whatever, but in moderation.
1: Yeah, exactly. And it gives a really good lifestyle. It's, again, that 80-20, you know. And I'm not, I'm certainly not suggesting that morning, lunch and dinner in our house on the weekend was junk or or weekend food. I'm not suggesting that in any way, shape, or form, but I am saying that it was okay to have dessert on a Saturday night, you know, ice cream and apple pie with, you know, after dinner, whereas that wouldn't be something every day during the week. During the week, we might, if Cameron said to me, I want something sweet, I'd say, great, grab some yogurt and it'd be like Greek yogurt and put some blueberries in it, right? So you can still have those other things, but that's weekend food and that's everyday food.
0: Yeah, no, it's a very good way of uh, looking at it, uh, Rosina. Now, uh, exercise, a very important part of physical and mental well-being, as we all know. How much exercise do kids need?
1: That's a great question. And, again, if I get everyone to um, just if you search in the Google search Australian Government Physical Activity Guidelines, so if you just went into any search engine that you use, Australian Government Physical Activity Guidelines, you'll come up with the website and it tells you for toddlers, for um, older children and then for teenagers what you need. So you, so I'm going to read it out now and talk about it, but if you wanted to refer back to it, just um, find the government guidelines um, at um, health.gov.au. Um, So when we talk about little toddlers and preschoolers, people are going to get surprised to hear that they need at least 180 minutes. That means three hours of running around, you know, running, jumping, kicking, you know, uh, throwing a day. Now obviously it has to be spread out through the day um, and so when you're picking a preschool, when you're, you know, looking at a location to live, If there's a park nearby or if there's a little backyard or, you know, if there's somewhere where you can allow your child to do that running, jumping, kicking, throwing, you know, um, it's going to help them with their physical activity and, of course, sleep better at night, right?
0: Yes, absolutely.
1: (laughs) So Yeah,
0: keep going. No, I'm just saying, no, you keep going. That's why I was almost going to jump to the next question. You almost uh, preempted it, but you keep going.
1: Oh, thank you. So the next thing is, um, if you've got five to twelve year olds or thirteen plus year olds, so the sort of the difference is with really young ones up to five, you want 180 minutes a day of running, jumping, skipping, you know. And I'm not talking 24/7 hitting the ceiling. I'm just talking the opportunity to dance around, to move around, to to play with water, to you know, all of those things that they need to do to keep active. For your older children, five onwards, right through to teen years, they need about 60 minutes of moderate to vigorous intensity exercise. So running, dancing, you know, resistance, training, stretching, cycling. So again, think about, you know, the, the opportunities at school and outside school that your kids have got to do that.
0: Okay, now that sounds great. So Rosina, the kids have been watered, they've been fed and they've been exercised what about relaxation, rest and sleep? How important? <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's exactly right. So once we've filled them up on water and we've fed them healthily, and they're exercising, you know, well, hopefully they will be sleeping better. We know that. We absolutely know that when we, uh, when we exercise, we eat well, we uh, hydrate, our, our physical and mental well-being is better. But a really important part of mental well-being is sleep. So let's not underestimate, you know, how important it is to have our children, whether they're toddlers or teenagers, well-rested. Now, I have to tell you, when I was doing the research for this, I was very surprised that there's actually no specific recommendations, like as in, you know, babies should sleep X hours and uh, children five years old should sleep X hours. There's actually no specific guidelines. What there are is instead um, what you would call um, brackets, like, uh, like ranges, ranges of good sleeping hours. And they are actually quite varied. So for example, newborns might go from 14 all the way to 17 hours. And, you know, it's even saying that it could be okay for some kids to sleep as little as 11 and as much as 19, right? So yeah. it, there's a very very broad broad sort of range of how long kids could sh- should sleep. But having said that, there is also the not recommended ranges and I think that's really what we want to look at. If our children are undersleeping or oversleeping, neither of those is healthy. So let's look at basic ranges. So when you've got really little ones, little ones should be somewhere between 14 to 17 hours. And that decreases as they get a bit older. Like those newborns have got longer hours. And then when they become infants, it, it's like 12 to 15 hours. And we know that. We've seen that. You know, those newborns will sleep almost all day um, if you're lucky. And then
0: there's,
1: <laughs> then there's yeah. your toddlers, and they need between 11 and 14 hours of sleep. So you still got to give them, you know, plenty of time to get to bed. And the same thing with your preschoolers, you know, 10 to 3. 13 hours. So these are very long sleep hours. And again, your child might be at the lower end or the higher end. When it comes to school, it's about 9 to 11 hours. So we don't want our kids staying up too late. Um, it might be fine to have 7 or 8 hours. That might be fine for some kids, but really we want them sleeping 9 to 11. That's that range that, that, that they, they recommend. With teenagers, they still need 8 to 10 hours. So again, watch what your teenagers are doing. And for adults, it's around seven to nine hours. So not less than seven, but again, around nine hours. But uh, they say that more than 10 hours is not great and less than six hours is not great. So that's the sleep recommendation. So I'm sorry I can't be more specific about that. I I mean, as, as someone supporting parents, as you can imagine, I would love some specific guidelines, but I actually don't have them. So that's the best I can do.
0: No fair enough and it's a bit of a worry these days with new technologies too cuz you read about teenagers uh, playing on their iPhones or iPads late in the night playing games and doing other things and that that can be a problem too.
1: Yeah, that's, let's specifically stop on that just for a moment. Now what we know about sleep is that we need to form melatonin in the brain. Melatonin is a hormone that helps us you know feel tired. Now, if we've got light directly going into our eyes, that melatonin doesn't form because our body thinks it's daylight. So if you've got young kids who don't sleep very well, or you've got um, uh, teenagers, or if you're not sleeping very well, if you can start to dim the lights around, you know, straight after dinner. So instead of having those fluorescent lights on, you just have lamps on, softer lights. If you can make sure that the kids are not playing on technology just before sleep, uh, they need about 90 minutes, believe it or not. It says 90 minutes before sleep to come off technology for the melatonin to form. Um, I hope That's a great little tip that, you know. Now, I know that parents might say, yeah, but my teenagers are doing their homework, and that's fine, but just try and have the screen dimmed a little bit so it's not too much light in their eyes. Uh, maybe move the screen further away from them if they're working on a, a project just to help them with that sleep and still have some time to wind down.
0: Yeah, good advice, uh, Rosina. So recapping some of the main points from today's podcast.
1: I think the most important thing is not to put pressure on yourself or your children, really important. Um, it, stress does not make for good mental or physical health. So having a relaxed lifestyle where you do the best you can with that 80-20 rule, take time to build up slowly. You might say, look, I've listened to this podcast and I'm hoping, I'm hoping you're a little bit inspired. So you might say, all right, what we're going to do is we're just going to do the weekend food and everyday food challenge. That's what we're going to do. Or you might say, we're going to do the water challenge. We're going to make sure that we're all drinking enough water and we're going to reduce those uh, sugary drinks. Or you might say, you know what, I'm going to have half a plate of vegetables and fruit uh, on my meals for breakfast, lunch, and dinner from now on. Whatever it is that you feel that you could do to take time to build up slowly. The next thing is involve the kids at all ages because we want to teach them and it will make life easier in the long term. A lot of people that do the Win-Win Parenting Program come to me many years later and say, you know what, when I first heard that, not let the kids in the kitchen and let them help and let them pick menus, I was thinking, oh, more mess, more time, more stress, more fuss. But, and then they go, but now my kids are making my lunch, now my kids are making dinner, now my kids are picking healthy breakfast, now my kids. So, you know, short-term pain, long-term gain and um, simple, simple things like involve the kids um, with learning about what's everyday food and what's a weekend food and, you know, what are different whole grains you can try, what are different proteins, what are different fruits and vegetables and just make it fun so that healthy eating is fun, not a chore.
0: Yeah, exactly. And educating them from a young age, so they know really from very, very young, what's good and what's not so good.
1: Absolutely. You're spot on because we talked about that longitudinal research that says what happens in childhood can often, more than likely, translate into adulthood. So I know I just, just, again, a quick example of I I, I ratted my mum out about the chips, but I also should also talk about something good um, so that she doesn't, so that we don't have just the negative. My mum was also very big on salad, very big on vegetables, and also no sugary drinks. We never had sugary drinks as kids, and I still don't drink them today. So there are, you know, those things do translate the healthy and the unhealthy. I'm glad I got to sneak that in in case mum listens. The
0: podcast Well, <laughs> yeah. your mum was before her time, clearly.
1: She was, she really was. I remember that way back then, and I thought that as I was, you know, becoming a mum myself.
0: Oh, that's wonderful, Rosina. That's a, a good uh, spot to leave on, and I think your mother will be impressed. So, you better make sure she listens to this podcast.
1: <laughs> I agree.
0: <laughs> Thank you again for your time.
1: Oh, it's a pleasure, always a pleasure.